It is time for our midday program here on KRVN. Hope you're having a good morning. It is a Wednesday. Scott Foster back in here with you. Hope you're doing well. It is uh, stormy in parts of uh, central Nebraska and western, and or excuse me, eastern Kansas today. So hopefully you're all doing well. And I know that uh, there's some tours going on of the Husker Harvest Day site. Uh, some damage apparently in there and i know susan's kind of checking that out right now right susan is on scene we hope to be hearing from her uh before too long on just what the the damage is what it all kind of looks like in a timeline husker harvest day is just around (laughs) the corner uh high winds uh, possibly taking some doors off and move the ice machine at the krvn building really so and you know i mean we've had to move that before that is not a light machine so well they talked about uh 80 mile per hour winds in areas of fairfield had an 85 mile per hour wind 87 miles an hour in other places so it was quite a storm and it just rolled south down towards kansas city and stuff like that but it was a it was a mess, and when you get that storm at 3 in the morning, that's no fun either. Exactly. So, yeah, so exactly. what do you got for us, Clay? Well, a local weather update. My wife said it's downpouring at Dar South about 14 minutes ago. Now to Ag News. 12:19. over the weekend, we talked with Alex Wojcicki, where there was three, three free will donation showings of Ocean of Grass to help raise money for Franklin, Will Hill, and Axtell FFA chapters, as well as the Minden Tech Club. So Alex is talking with Franklin FFA president and uh, sharing the details about the experience, Ocean of Grass, how much money they raised, all that. 1245, Susan steps back in with Joan Ruskamp, former beef chairman, talking about the latest in the beef checkoff update, what's going on there. And then Shaley Peters is on at 117 with Mr. Al Dutcher. He just recently finished up with a study and its effects, how weather affects DDGs, so... We're going to be learning more about that at 117. Always interesting to hear from Al Dutcher. That's that's great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Clay. Let's turn it over to Mr. Brandon Bennett and uh, what you got going on today. Bittersweet day yesterday for the Carney Little Leaguers. Of course, Nebraska State champions. They went to extra innings in an elimination game in Fargo bested them. They scored three runs, top of the eighth inning yesterday. So a great season for the Carney Little Leaguers. Again, state champs. That's not the first time and probably won't be the last time they've done them. But a great season for the young men. Unfortunately, they were 0-2 once they got to the regional championships. And then Isaiah Roby's decision to forego his senior season at Nebraska paid off literally in a big way yesterday. Four years, $6.7 million contract with the Mavericks. Of course, he was, he was drafted by Detroit, then traded to Dallas. According to ESPN, it's the largest first-year salary in NBA history for a second-round draft pick coming out of college. So for Mr. Roby, he, um, he'll he be taking advantage of uh, some stock market opportunities yeah, absolutely. here coming up. Can, yeah, congratulations to him. And speaking of stock market, nice segue. Thank you very much, Brandon. We turn it over to Bob Rogan. Just got done talking to Adrian Smith, and uh, market's down just a little bit. Not because of that conversation, but it's down. The markets are down just a little bit, and uh, investors fearful. They're dumping some stocks and shoveling money into bonds right now time will tell whether that's a good thing to do but uh, you know uh, investors spooked Wednesday today after central banks in New Zealand India and Thailand cut interest rates in an apparent effort to prevent fallout from the US China trade war from from spreading also FedEx is cutting its ties with Amazon and they will not be exchanging Christmas cards probably in the near future or probably uh, the long future whatever that is. Alright, that's all coming up on...
Well, it is time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And I tell you, some uh, some Paul Perkins joining us, by the way, some big old storms rolled through central part of the state last night. Yes, uh, Hall, Howard, Valley County, on into just east of the Hastings area. We had anywhere from about two to four inches of rain and just to the east of Hastings, up into Hall County and also the Howard and Valley County area. I see. think the biggest rainfall total I did see was 3.9 inches towards the uh, Bolus area. And, of course, we've had numerous reports of flooding. And, of course, lots of trees have been uprooted, blown over wow. in Hall County, whether it's in Grand Island or uh, other towns throughout Hall County. Numerous reports of that. We had the mixture of the pretty saturated soil and the high wind, and, yeah. and they just the roots can hang on to them. Yeah, a lot of wind gusts up to about 90 miles per hour in some locations. So some ferocious storms moving through. The main brunt of that storm now into eastern portions of Kansas. We're still seeing a little bit of light rain scattered about central Nebraska this morning from north of Hebron just to the north. Make, to, make that just to the west of Grand Island, south of St. Paul, and also north of Loop City. Also some showers and thunderstorms to the south of Lexington and Kozad, mainly towards Farnham. Eustace, Elwood, and Bertrand, and also towards the Axtell area. These light scanner rings moving off towards the southeast. Temperatures, for the most part, low in mid-70s underneath the cloud cover, but eastern Nebraska into northern Kansas, much of the area into the upper 70s to the low 80s. We do have a flood advisory still in effect for southern Howard County. This is in effect until 745 this evening. Emergency management reporting heavy rain causing some minor flooding in areas around Bolus and Farwell where one to three inches of rain fell and some locations over that about 3.9 inches of rain uh, from the storms last night. Some locations experiencing that flooding including St. Paul, Denebrog, Farwell, Bolus and St. Laborie and of course numerous creeks and streams in those areas. We will see those off and on thunderstorm chances continue through early next week as we see disturbances track southeast through our region. We're right on the outer edge of a ridge of high pressure. Some of those storms could be severe as those disturbances just ride that outer edge of that ridge of high pressure. That better chance of severe storms for today, taking a look at the latest Storm Prediction Center outlook, and they've changed it once again. Yeah, as now over southwestern Nebraska pretty much the southwestern half of Nebraska on into central and eastern Kansas. So if you're along and south of a line, southwest of a line, rather, from Stapleton to about the Kearney area to Hebron, Marysville, and Topeka, you are in a slight risk of severe storms. So once again, along and southwest of a line from Stapleton to Kearney, Hastings, Hebron, Marysville, and Holton, Kansas, Southwest of that line, a slight risk of some severe storms for it later on today. Earlier, it was just a little bit of south-central Nebraska into central and east Kansas. But once again, now the southwest half of Nebraska, basically, into much of central and eastern Kansas. Some of the forecast models are indicating those storms could be at their worst again after midnight tonight. That active pattern will keep our temperatures seasonal or below normal for most days all the way through early next week. The latest long-term forecast indicating Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be mainly seasonal for Monday through August 20th. There will most likely be cooler areas in northern Nebraska, most of Kansas probably closer to warmer than normal as we sit in between a ridge of high pressure over the southern U.S. and some cooler than normal air tries to work in from the north. Kind of Nebraska and Kansas in that battle zone. The outlook starts out with above normal rainfall the early to middle part of next week in Nebraska and Kansas. It trends near normal to drier than normal for rainfall by next weekend through the 20th, so a little bit of drying 
on the way. The U.S. again set a record for the wettest 12 months on record for the period of August of last year through last month. It was the fourth month in a row. A new record was set for the wettest 12 months. One thing to note, though, last month was actually slightly drier than the seasonal average when you account for all the precipitation nationwide. Weather factors driving the markets include expected dry weather this month in the Midwest and a volatile pattern in the southern plains. An ongoing heat wave across the southern high plains will contrast with a gradual expansion of cool air in many other areas. The coolest weather will affect the northern plains. A series of cold fronts will spark scattered rain across much of the nation. Some of the heaviest rain expected in the mid-south and central plains. In the Midwest, the cool weather will ease the crop stress but also creep crop development very late. Rain will be limited in the recently dry areas of the central and eastern Midwest with drought development expected this month. A fifth to a fourth of the corn is rated very poor to poor in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Missouri, and Ohio. In the Southern Plains, western and central areas will remain in the grip of in the grip of stressful heat and dry weather the rest of this week. Irrigation usage will likely be extensive. Eastern areas of the Southern Plains, heavy rain is causing flash flooding and storm damage with the greatest impact in eastern Kansas. But once again, a change in that slight risk for severe storms today along and southwest of the line from Stapleton to Kearney, Hastings, Hebron, Marysville, and Holton, Kansas, southwest of that line, a slight risk of severe storms. Real unsettled evenings for a little while, huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. And, we're, and that pretty much is kind of that outer edge of that ridge of high pressures where we do have that slight risk of severe storms here. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, something to keep an eye on for sure. Paul, where do you go to check in on your weather? KRBN.com. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. And on the phone, I have Taylin Pritchard. She's the Franklin FFA chapter president. Taylin, thanks so much for making time to join us. No problem. So on Friday, last Friday, you guys were part of an Oceans of Grass showing. There was a free will donation. Kind of talk about what this event was all about. Yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned, last Friday, the First Bank and Trust of Minden, they sponsored the movie Ocean of Grass. So on Friday, we showed it in Franklin at the Rose Bowl Theater. And then on Saturday, it was also shown twice at the Minden Opera House. But for all the showings, it was a free will donation. So anyone could come and get in for free. And then um, at all the donations, they will be split evenly between the FFA chapters in Franklin, Wilcox Hildreth, Axtell, and the Minden Tech Club. Talk about the turnout. I mean, how many people were able to show up to this event, and and what were they saying? So at the Franklin um, showing, we had a huge turnout. I think our theater can hold around 175 people, and it was nearly completely full. So that was a big deal to us. That was really good. And after the movie, we were talking to everyone, thanking them for coming, and we heard a bunch of positive things. They really liked how the movie was, and it really reflected the Um, Nebraska and ranch life in Nebraska really well. And that's what I was going to ask you about next, is talk about how this, I guess, what did you learn from this movie? So in the agricultural world, there's a lot of misconceptions in areas where if you don't know the agricultural life, sometimes there are misconceptions. So this movie really showed what um, the ranch life and agriculture is like. It was very true. Um, and it stuck to everything that is true. So I thought it was a really good thing um, for anyone to see. Even in Nebraska, I learned some things myself 
So I thought that was really cool. But just for anyone to go out there and watch it, you get to see what truly happens on the ranch or anything in the agricultural industry. You you said that this was a free will donation and the funds are going to yes. four different organizations. What does the Franklin FFA chapter plan to do with this money? We're, we actually just got a plasma cutting table. So we're going to be using that towards the fund because it's definitely not cheap. So we've been doing fundraising and getting grants for that. So we'll use the money that we get from this and apply it towards that fund. So we're super excited for that. Awesome. And you're only going to be a junior Talon, but do you know what your future plans might look like after graduation? Um, yeah, so I'm really interested in the medical field, and I got into a program this summer, Summer Honors, and I got into the medical science program there, and so that really gave me a sense of direction and what I want to do. Um, I'll go into the nursing field, get my BSN, and then I'll practice in nursing for a while, and then I'm really looking to maybe becoming a nurse practitioner. What sort of things have you learned from FFA that you think you'll be able to carry into that nursing career? Oh my gosh, there's so many things. So SSA, of course, is an agricultural-based program, but there's so much more to that. I've learned leadership through being an officer, and leadership is something that you can apply to anywhere you go, whether it's sports, a job, anything like that. So that's super important. Um, responsibility is a big thing, too. Um, being on places on time, working hard, having a good work ethic, it, that's really important, too, in anything you do. And also networking, it's important to be able to talk to people and communicate with them and be able to be effective in the workplace or anywhere else you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Taylin. That was Taylin Pritchard. She's the Franklin FFA Chapter President, joining us with details on their recent Oceans of Grass fundraiser. And again, that money was split evenly for the Franklin, Wilcox, Hildreth, and Axtell FFA Chapters and the Minden Tech Club. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you are listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for us to check in on our Do Not Steal My Lunch, Tyler Cavalli. Time for us to check in on sports. It's it's doggy dog around here. It is, and I walked into the AM Master Control here, and it was already full of people, and talking about the need to go to the gym and get swole. Yep. And then here I am. I, I'm just here to do sports. And then we have lunch thieves I know. talking it's, about it's weight loss and, and bodybuilding programs. And all I want to do is read sports. And I'm just, I'm I'm channeling my inner child. I have macaroni and cheese with little hot dogs broke cut up in it. Wow. This third grade <laughs> lunch brought to you by, we need a sponsor for Scott's. That, that's it. That's our next that great sponsor. Who's sponsoring Scott's lunch today? Absolutely. Call, uh, call Amy. She'll figure it out. So. Speaking of young folks and their lunches, the uh, Carney Little Leaguers. See, there's segue for you right there. It was okay. And I'm not talking about the little things you ride. I'm actually talking about the device which we use to transition from one piece to another. Fargo Little Leaguers scored three runs in the top of the eighth inning yesterday. That's, that's extra innings for the Little League fans. They beat Carney 6-3 to in the elimination game. In the Midwest Regionals in Westfield, Indiana, they're just outside Indianapolis. It's on ESPN Plus if you got to see it on TV. Three straight, one-out singles started the extra inning rally for the, North, for the North, North Dakota State Champions. Then after a strikeout, Colby Hansen singled the center field and with two outs, scored two more runs, and then Carney came away with seven hits, including the double by Griffin Novacek, who was three for four with an RBI. But I can mention... At the roundtable preview, a bittersweet day yesterday. Those young men had done such a great thing. 
Kearney champions, Kearney or the Nebraska State champions, and then making it to the Central Regional, always a good thing. Speaking of good things, Isaiah Roby's going to have a good Christmas coming up. His decision to forego his senior year at Nebraska for the NBA draft paid off literally yesterday. The six foot eight Roby drafted 45th overall by Detroit and then almost immediately traded to Dallas, signed a four-year $6.7 million contract with the Mavericks, according to ESPN. Roby will be paid, will be paid $1.5 million as a rookie, which, according to ESPN, is the largest first-year salary in NBA history for a second-round draft pick coming out of college. So Mr. Roby now has made history. He averaged almost 12 points, almost seven boards, and two assists per game last year as a junior for the Big Red. The Pro Bowl will return to Orlando for the fourth straight year and will be held one week before the Super Bowl. NFL's All-Star Game will be an afternoon match for kickoff at 3 p.m. on Sunday, January the 26th. The next week, League's Championship Game, that we can't say out loud, will be played a few hours later, a few hours south of the Miami area, rather. Fans, players, and coaches, they'll vote for the 88 Pro Bowlers, and the game will match the AFC, of course, against the NFC. Then a week-long celebration in conjunction with the NFL's 100 season initiatives will also take place across the Orlando area. And Jorge Soler hit a pair of two long home runs. Jacob Junis pitched six effective innings. The Kansas City Royals snapped their seven-game losing streak by beating the Bo Sox 6-2 yesterday. Ryan O'Hearn also homered for Kansas City, which had lost eight in a row to the Sox. The night after halting its eight-game losing skid, the Red Sox were held without a home run, stopping their club record of at least one home run in 18 straight games. However, tonight, things could get interesting for the Royals' defense, as KC will send to the mound right-hander Glenn Sparkman, who, get this, is 0-4 with an ERA north of 10 in his seven road starts this season oh, so that sparky that uh, one game win streak may end at one for the kansas city royals and that's a check of sports all right thank you sir It is time for us to take a look at news. An active evening for sure last night because of weather. Bob Brogan in here with more. A thunderstorm that moved through central Nebraska has left thousands of people without electricity and streets flooded. However, the power utility companies are, uh, as we speak, working to restore the power. And as I understand, there's been a substantial amount uh, progress made on that. We don't know exactly how much progress, but there has been progress made. Damage was also evidence from that uh, storm, whatever storm it was, at the Husker Harvest Days grounds. That, according to Roger Libby, HHD operations manager. A lot of our stuff that uh, used to be on the north side is now on the south side. So it took a couple buildings, uh, smaller ones, uh, Central Community College, and took them off the foundation and moved them two blocks and put them on their top. So it was uh, it was quite a windstorm. And did we mention it was an unusual storm? It was turbulent. It it seemed like it'd come one way and then the other. It was it was really weird. Uh, I've never seen a straight wind do this kind of damage where it, it kind of went circular. But. National Weather Service says a rainfall total of 3.9 inches was reported at Bolas in Howard County and more than two inches of rain fell on parts of Grand Island 
and there was a lot of flooding and uh, closing of several underpasses for a time. Power lines, trees, and limbs are down, and debris litters streets and yards in Grand Island. And the Weather Service says buildings were damaged in the Fairfield and Glenville areas. The Hall County Sheriff's Department says a motorist died after running into a tree that had fallen across a road near Berwick. The driver's name hasn't been released at this time. The service also says a wind gust of 87 miles per hour was reported at the Central Nebraska Regional Airport in Grand Island. Lots of cleanup going on today, and that's going to be going on for some time. And, of course, there will be repairs to be made at the Husker Harvest Day grounds. Iowa and Nebraska school officials in areas hard hit by flooding earlier this year expect that as school starts, they'll have to deal with displaced students some still traumatized by their ordeals. A massive March storm dumped inches of rain runoff and snow melt into several rivers, pushing some to record levels in Nebraska, Iowa, and other states, breaching levees and dikes. In the southwestern Iowa's Hamburg School in uh, in the southwest, Iowa, in the southwest Iowa's Hamburg area, school superintendent Mike Wells says he expects about 20% fewer students when classes begin on August 23rd. He says the community lost about 200 homes in the flooding and there's nowhere for families to come back to. Across the Missouri River in Nebraska, Fremont Superintendent Mark Shepard worries about the trauma. He says the first rainstorm after the flooding caused some elementary students to weep, worried that more flooding was imminent. A 38-year-old Kansas City man was sentenced to three years and ten months in prison without parole for participating in a conspiracy to steal sport utility vehicles and pickups from other states and take them to Kansas City for sale. Timothy Hood was sentenced this week in order to pay nearly $213,000 in restitution. When Hood pleaded guilty in March, he admitted he helped steal at least ten high-end SUVs and pickups from three dealerships in Nebraska and Iowa to sell on the black market. All of the stolen vehicles have been recovered and sold as salvage. That's a check of the news. I'm Bob Brogan. Thanks, Bob. An update and learning more about the beef checkoff. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Joan Ruskamp is a former beef chairman and talked to me about the latest happenings of the beef checkoff and what they learned while in Denver at the summer meeting. The, the checkoff program is a state-national partnership. The $1 per head paid by the seller is collected in the states and then the uh, qualified state beef councils, I mean, they, they have to stay certified. They have to make sure that they're doing everything according to the rules set in um, by Congress on how it can be used, no policy, uh, promotion, research, and um, communication. The states that get to keep that 50 cents, like Nebraska, use their part of that 50 cents in the state, and, then it, and they can use it in national programs. And then the other 50 cents goes to Denver to the National Cattlemen's Beef Board, and that's where I've been spending the last six years serving as a representative from Nebraska and how those checkoff dollars at the Cattlemen's Beef Board get spent. So looking at that, that 50 cents, and then of course they compare it to using when they talk about with a dollar, I could see how it gets confusing, but you guys are really having to stretch that investment to be able to 
get that same bang for your buck, shall we say, in getting word out. Right, because when that when that checkoff program was passed, um, first of all, it was in the 80s, uh, and so we have inflationary costs that have added to that of, of doing any programming whatsoever. But the other thing, it's on a per head basis, and what's happened since like 1997 is we have 30% more pounds of beef beef with um, less cattle. And so, I mean, we've got, okay, so 30% less cattle with the same amount of beef. And so we've got less money coming in, basically, than we did um, when the program first started. And so we have to stretch that dollar. Lots of partnerships um, happen. Um, for example, veal is very popular in the northeast part of the United States. They partner a lot with the mushroom um, company because and, and check off because they mushrooms and veal blend together really well so you'll see partnerships with beef um, in in any way that we can build demand so the focus of the checkoff is to build consumer demand for beef and that means that consumers are willing to pay a price for the beef and no matter what the supply is so when we have a lot of protein on the market they're still willing to pay to buy beef because they prefer it, especially taste. We have we own the taste category. Um, I will not. I wouldn't disparage the other proteins. Uh, every every protein has its place, but there's certain traits about all of them that are important. And so, we are charged at the national level to do a return on investment study at least every five years. We could do it more often, but again, it takes money, right, to do these things. Um, Dr. Kaiser is from Cornell University. His formula for figuring this out has been recognized um, by other checkoff programs and other groups who do return on investment studies as being top-notch. And so he, we just recently finished a return on investment study. So for every dollar the Beef Board spends on promotion, research, consumer information, export market, and all of those, we get a return of $11.91, which is great. I, you know, I'm always looking at my, my, the stocks that we have, and of course, as farmers, we're trying to get a return on our investment every year. And, you know, to get $11.91 per dollar invested is, is a fabulous return. And um, so we're really excited that the programming is working. Um, we're seeing that dollar really work hard. <laughs> um, and that would be a 50 cents over five years ago. And so what, what we wonder and ponder is, have we, have we reached the extent of what $1 per head can do? And something to think about, um, because we are so limited in the dollars that we have. Looking at that, and, and you talk about the investment, and I just find it really intriguing that you guys can work with other checkoff entities to be able to promote both. And I don't think a lot of folks understand that part of it. Oh, right. Um, so, for example, let's just look at the export um, market that we're, we're growing. You know, we've got North Korea, Japan, Mexico, and, and, you know, we can't do policy, so we can't influence the trade agreements. But what we can do is build demand in those countries for uh, the people who live there to get that beef. And so Japan um, is paying a lot for U.S. beef because of the tariffs, um, and they would love to see something happen. And so hopefully our policy groups will be very active and, and continue strong in that category. But on the checkup side, we're just working on the people, right, and the people who want to eat the beef. 
But for the foreign export market, um, USMEF is our contractor. They also get um, what's called MAP money. So the government has funds to help um, agriculture build uh, partners around the world. And so sometimes it's a, it's a partner. So if we give, if we give $9 million into USMEF, the government will almost match it dollar for dollar. Those comments coming from Joan Ruskamp. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at the financial markets and see what's going on around our area and uh, around the world, I should say, as we uh, take a look over in Japan right now. The Japanese Nikkei index was down 68. However, the rest of the markets didn't do so badly. The, the Hang Seng in Hong Kong up 20. London's FTSE up 27 and the German DAX index up 82. That's good news considering where they were. Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Averages, uh, while not quite as good as yesterday, are not as bad as the day before, up 68, down 68 points. Excuse me. The tech-heavy Nasdaq is up 11 right now, and the S&P 500 is down about 5 right now. And joining us again is Bob Brogan for a little more. Yes, stocks uh, have been falling on Wall Street today as investors are concerned about uh, a number of issues taking place worldwide. Uh, Investors spooked after central banks in New Zealand, India, and Thailand cut interest rates in an apparent effort to prevent fallout from the U.S.-China trade war from spreading. And so the uh, Dow Jones was down quite a bit, uh, more than it is now, earlier, but it's recouped some of its losses. Meanwhile, um, another kind of, um, I guess, standoff is is occurring. FedEx is cutting ties with Amazon as the online retailer builds out its own delivery fleet and becomes more of a threat. The decision by FedEx also illustrates how e-commerce has become universal as major retailers ramp up their online presence. The announcement today that FedEx would no longer make ground deliveries for Amazon comes two months after the delivery company said it was terminating its air delivery contract with Amazon. CBS swung back to a profit in the second quarter and easily beat expectation expectations thanks in part to its acquisition of the health insurer Aetna. The drugstore reported profits of $1.9 billion or about $1.49 per share. According to Zach's investment research, earnings when adjusted for one-time items were $1.89 per share, which was 19 cents better than expected. CVS's revenue also topped expectations. Disney dropped 6.7% after reporting results that fell far short of analysts' forecasts. The media giant said its newly acquired Fox Entertainment businesses did poorly. Those are some of the business stories that are making headlines today. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. As you mentioned, CVS down on nearly 7% right now. Walt Disney, or excuse me, up 7%. Scared you there. Just sorry about that, Bob. And Walt Disney down 5%. Uh, oil prices are down to $50 a barrel right now. That's a look at our markets. Hi, I'm Dewey Nelson, and we moved our South Pacific trip with Colette Guided Touring to January 21st of 2020. Explore the Great Barrier Reef. 
Visit the glacial fjords on New Zealand's South Island, cruise Sydney Harbour, meet Australia's wildlife up close, and discover the wonders of Aboriginal culture. To learn more, visit krvn.com or call 800-581-8942. Again, 800-581-8942. It's why they travel. Collect. Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters, and we're going to visit today with a very familiar voice, but outside of our normal time frame. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. Al, we are talking to you today because the university has compiled and taken a closer look, given all of the crazy circumstances this year in regards to the weather, in regards to how it has affected planting our crop and otherwise. Um, you guys have taken a closer look and are getting some results of a study done across the state assessing risk with the free state in mind. I'll let you go into the details. What exactly are you guys seeing with this project? Well, Shaley, of course, uh, when we had the late planted crops, one of the immediate concerns was because we were so late and so cool, what was going to be our freeze risk as we go into the fall period? And, of course, everybody was saying we're going to need above normal temperatures for this crop to catch up and reduce that freeze risk. Well, now we're into the point of time where numerical models are starting to show cold pockets developing in northern Canada. The first signs that fall freezes are coming and so we started to look at where does this crop stand and what is its risk as we go into the fall period. So we ended up taking the state, cutting it into three zones, the north, central, and the southern third of the state, looking at stations from west to east. So we lined up three to four stations in each of these zones from the Panhandle to eastern Nebraska. We then accumulated from four emergency days starting in late April, going all the way to June 10th, separated by two-week periods. And we also look at the impacts of the varieties running from 1,900 GDDs to 2,700 GDDs by 200 GDD increments. And essentially what we did was accumulated all of the GDDs from those emergent states through the end of July. And then what we did was look at the normals period that we compare against 1981 to 2010. That's our base period. And looked at those years and what the GDDs would have accumulated up to the freeze date and then applied them to this year's accumulation to see if we would replicate our base normals period considering that we would get normal temperatures from this point forward what would be the associated risk and bottom line it's those late planted crops the late April or late May into the early June period that have the greatest risk and more importantly if producers did not step down at least five to eight degree days on their varieties they have well above normal risk for freeze damage, even with our temperatures being within a couple degrees of normal for this growing season, nothing extremely cold or extremely warm or pretty close to normal. So we will rerun this again at the beginning of September to really be able to zero in on what kind of risk we have. But the bottom line is that the areas of the state that are most vulnerable to this problem would be the northern half of the Panhandle, portions of north-central Nebraska, and most of northeast Nebraska, and portions of the northern half of east-central Nebraska where we had more of the planting delay issues. So we'll wait to see whether August comes in, but for every degree we're above normal, the GDD accumulations will shrink by about 30 units, and every degree that we're below normal, those GDDs are going to expand by 30 units. So you're going to add one to two days in terms of the maturity of the crop at the end of the season. That would essentially 
start to add up significantly if we run three to four degrees below normal. All of a sudden, you're going to have to make up somewhere in the area of six to ten more days of growing season to get that crop in safely, and that just explodes your risk factor going forward. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Grain markets today, mostly higher, at least for winter wheat futures, corn, and soybeans. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Let's analyze this situation with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Can we see this type of activity for the next three sessions before we get to Monday's report? Yeah, I don't think we'll probably see... Sub four dollar December. I don't think that's a stretch for me to say that. But four twenty probably constrains us to the upside as well. Although whether you know, regardless of this report, the yield is still going to be very uncertain going into it. You know, we're very late here. I'm sure they've seen some pictures circulating on the internet. Of some, I think there's a real famous one now of Indiana corn. Uh, you know, it looks like a pencil compared to a, a Coke can as far as the ears are concerned of what was planted early and what was planted late. We're really not hot, but uh, things certainly out east, we have to worry a little bit about yield deterioration as far as the good corn already. Uh, what, what it's doing to the late stuff is, is really anybody's guess. I don't I don't talk to too many agronomists who have no any idea what's going on any, on anyway. So uh, even if the report would be bearish, you know I don't think this thing's going to like downwardly spiral into the three thirties. I think maybe we just count 20, 20 cents and kind of hold for a little bit uh, longer. But uh, the, the market you probably want to really look at, Dewey, in, in these downtimes is really the 2020 contracts. And, um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of forward contracting uh, the summer ahead of, of a lot of corn, but given the amount of acres in production we're going to get in South America, combined with the idea that we're going to get a lot more corn next year in this country, I think you've got to be looking to price some, or at least take some, some hedge risk off the table. Nevertheless, traders will focus on this report for a little while on Monday, and it comes out right during the trading session. So uh, with the wide estimates that we have, pre-report estimates, we could be in for a little volatility, couldn't we? Yeah, and it's priced in. I mean, I think that's important to note. The options at the morning right now that expire two weeks from now are going for about $0.11 cents a piece. So you're looking at $0.20 cents up, $0.20 cents down. Um, I think that's probably a fair range. Take us, you know, sub 420 on the new crop or above 440. I would be very, very, uh, I, I wouldn't be bullish above 450, though. Even on a bullish report, I still think you got to have plans to move some corn here. Uh, I just don't think the demand side is going to allow this thing to really run away, you know, above 450, 460 and stay there. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Corn finishes the day. One and a half to two and a quarter higher, even three higher in distance September 2020. Uh, soybeans, one cent higher in first six months. While Chicago wheat was three and a half to four and a quarter higher, Kansas City wheat was a quarter lower front month, a half to one and a quarter higher in the back months. Well, that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com or our KRVN app.